Hello everyone and welcome to episode 63 of The Stagey Place. Now, if you're listening to The Stage Place for the first time, it's probably because you are a relative or a friend of our guest today, or you've just found us on social media and have wanted to check out one of our episodes. Well, if it's the latter, then you are very much in luck because I am so excited today to share with you my interview with the incredible Liv Ello. And before we get on to the interview itself, I just want to talk a little bit about how I found Liv. So I was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and I wanted to see a show. This is probably about week three, week four. And I saw this poster for Swarm. And on the cover of the poster, there was somebody dressed up as a fly. And I went, you know what? We're getting to the end of the Fringe. This is exactly the play that I want to see. Little did I know that Swarm was going to be nominated for Best Play of the Stagey Place Awards. I loved this show so much. And again, I'll talk about it a lot in this interview with Liv. And then after that, after I nominated it, sadly, Swarm did not win the Best Play category. But Liv then reached out to me and told me that Swarm was being performed from the 10th until the 12th of November this year at the Camden People's Theatre. And would they like to come on and have an interview? And I went, yes i'd absolutely love to interview Liv. so i'm so excited to now share with you my interview with livello the writer and performer of swarm hello Liv, and welcome to the stagey place how are you doing today hello hello yeah i'm good thank you yeah thank you so much for having me Thank you so much for coming on. We are today going to talk about Swarm, which you actually did at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival earlier this year. I came to see the show and I absolutely loved it. I nominated it for Best Play of the Fringe. We're going to talk a lot more about the show later on, but the reason why you are on today is because Swarm is coming to the Camden People's Theatre from the 10th until the 12th of November. Liv, talk to me about how preparations are going. Yeah, good. Yeah, really well, thank you. I'm juggling a few other projects at the moment, but I'm I'm really excited to be doing Swarm again. It's strange how doing Swarm for nearly every day for a month in Edinburgh and how a whole show sort of becomes quite second nature and, and part of your daily routine. And especially yeah. with a show like Swarm, that's, that's sort of quite highly political, but also quite highly physical in terms of the comedy, as well as being quite emotionally impactful for myself to perform and, and, and for some audience members too. It, it, it feels quite weird when that outlet becomes a part of your daily routine but also when it becomes no longer a part of your daily routine. <laughs> I'm relieved that I've had a break from the show, but I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to having that space and, and that outlet, that, that dialogue, even if it's just for a few days. Like you were just saying that, I guess it is kind of draining because you are doing that show for a whole month. We will talk about the show later on as well and how draining that is. I was doing three shows up in Edinburgh this year as well, and I can absolutely wow. see what you say about the fact that it's so part of your life. It's like a bubble being at the fringe. And then like, you know, you leave it behind and it's like, you know, what do you go on to now? Because the adrenaline is so high. And sometimes, I guess for me as well, when the fringe finished, I kind of said that I was going to take a bit of a break, but that break was so full of adrenaline because I didn't manage to do that come down from fringe and it's just been a bit mental really. Oh yeah I can totally relate to that there's like the there's the space that you want to give yourself after fringe of being like okay god I've just done this like incredibly exhausting run but I and I need some time to sort of like process that and deal with that and recover in my body as well but also you're then sort of chasing the aftermath of Edinburgh and responding to all these other things and exciting 
things that maybe are coming your way and keeping that momentum going and sort of staying in that world as well so it's it's, it's a really hard one to navigate well Liv we are going to talk about Swarm later on and about the impact that it did have on audiences had on myself and had on my friend Sam when we came to see it but first of all Liv what I want to know is you as a theatre maker how did you find your way into theatre when did you first discover theatre and decided that you wanted to be a part of the industry well I was a very shy child so shy believe it or not if you've ever seen any of my shows and and I'm still quite shy now but um, I was painfully shy as a child Um, my parents thought it would be a good idea to send me to a drama club a youth drama club to sort of improve my confidence and so I'm uh, originally from a very tiny little village near Cambridge sort of in between Cambridgeshire and Essex and um, this drama club was in a neighbouring village. It was called Drama Wise. It, it sounds like a bit like a like a government campaign or something. Yeah. Are you aware of the early signs that your child is becoming a <laughs> Get Drama Wise. <laughs> but no, um, no, it was it was brilliant, and it was run by a phenomenal woman called uh, Frances Brownlee who sadly passed away this year, just before the Edinburgh Fringe, actually. But it was run by her and and her amazing theatrical family. And the group later changed its name to Sky Blue Theatre Company and was run by her relative, John Mitten, who's uh, one of the founders and performers in Shitface Shakespeare. But I was a kid, I was a very shy kid, and I think I'd spent something like seven years at this drama group, learning so many different skills whether that was mask work devising clowning dance mime poetry and working with 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 texts and stuff and and also performing in and around Cambridge and and also at festivals I really enjoyed mime and performing at the Cambridge Mime Festival and so this was probably my first taste of solo devising of making something and performing something with, with just me on stage and there were these sort of competitions attached to the, the festival. I'd won a, a few of these awards. They're actually these strange trophies, which I think, for, for me, I just think it's really weird having trophies for a mime competition. I don't know why. Yeah. It seems like it's related to like sports, and but yeah. this was a mime competition. And I don't know, like something so physical, like a trophy as well, attached to, to mime, I thought maybe we should yeah. mime. But yeah, I remember sort of uh, doing these competitions and, and, and getting some of these awards and, and the adjudicator coming up to me at the end and saying, darling, you are wonderful. Your face is like rubber. And me being like, wow, thank you. <laughs> uh, that actually meant the world to me as, as yeah. or to that shy little kid who could barely really speak in front of anyone, but could find a way to get up on stage and do stupid things with their face and their body. And I think a lot of people who get into performing, whether they struggle with themselves or not, and, and say yeah. that it's a way of, of being someone else and escaping from yourself or taking on the persona of someone else. But yeah. but for me, I think it was it was the opposite. This drama club and, and performing uh, was, was the closest I'd ever felt to being me. And it felt easier to be me in these spaces where maybe it felt a bit harder in, in real life. So I think that was my the unintentional love affair with the, with theatre the sort of something that was meant to sort of tease me out of my shell and, and became a, a career <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so then when did you start to then write your own material 
So I started writing really from a young age as, as well, sort of whether that was in collaboration or, or sort of whilst I was at this, this drama group and also sort of for fun and, and at school. It was really after I'd finished my foundation degree at drama school that I had then had intentions of going on to, to do a three-year BA in acting. Because yeah. I think if you show any sort of theatrical flair or interest at school, then there's this sort of trajectory that people understand of like, okay, well, then you go into drama school and then, and, and which is absolutely fair and valid. So I think I had in my 18-year-old mind that that was what I wanted to do and I wanted to be an actor. I think it was at that time and at the age of, of, of 19, I was actually finding it really difficult to find roles and yeah. plays that I felt really resonated with my voice and who I was and what I wanted to see and experience and share and be a part of, but particularly with my, with my identity. Yeah. And so my way of getting around that was by just doing it myself and, and by yeah. writing the roles and writing the things that I wanted to see and that I wanted to be in. So, yeah, so I, I set up a small theatre company with my with my friend who I'd also trained with, Atticus Osborne, and we just started up scratch nights and little opportunities for us to sort of flex our acting muscles but also our, our writing and our devising sort of yeah. muscles as well because of that parameter because of that limitation of not being able to find what I wanted elsewhere I turned yeah. to to writing and finding my own voice and using my own voice uh, as opposed to sort of being an actor and yeah uh, and, and finding those other roles elsewhere yeah yeah and one of those roles in Swarm, we should say, is a fly. And it is honestly an incredible piece of theatre. And what I want to start off by asking you is about the narrative and how you create the process of the narrative. Because without giving too much away, and we'll talk about it in a later question, it's kind of like this like rug pulled from under your feet moment. And we get a very different emotion tone to the piece. Like what came first when writing this play? I know you as the writer will not give anything away that you don't want to in this podcast. But <laughs> how does the narrative start for you as the writer for this production? Oh, okay, cool. So the show started off as my degree show at Goldsmiths University of London so it started off as an initial 10 minute version back in 2019 and the show was really a response piece to David Cameron uh, when David Cameron referred to uh, migrants and refugees entering this country as a swarm and this conversation around dehumanizing language in politics uh, in media and, and and those who are othered in British society. So I thought, what is the true swarm pervading our mm. society? Because it sure as hell isn't people seeking safety or refuge. No. So what's, what's really festering uh, in our society? Taking this dehumanising language and flipping it on its head, throwing it back at the people who use it, and, and also those who don't typically experience othering and I suppose what I learned was yes we have a swarm of ignorance complicity and oppressive political policy but also a severe lack of compassion and maybe where we can feel quite small and fly-sized and insignificant against what's happening politically in this country, something that we can have autonomy over is our capacity for compassion mm. and the capacity for compassion we can have towards others. And especially those who have been othered and unlearning 
that bias. And to do that, we need to find compassion towards ourselves and, and understand that we ourselves are human, valid and individual and apply that same process of, of love and understanding to others, which, which is incredibly difficult in our society, especially when we have whole demographics of people or identities that have only been understood as statistics, which, yeah. which is important part of the show formally speaking which, which you know so that was the concept that I started with and then in terms of style and form obviously I love words and, and wordplay how things can be articulated in loads of different ways but, but I'm also really influenced by comedy sketch alternative and character comedy so I wanted to play with characters and juxtaposing people and voices so yes I've got all these different characters based on different species of flies yeah. uh, and, and all these characters that exude different traits of privilege and in particular white privilege. But they've all been based around these different species of flies. So you've got horsefly, who's a sort of typical Tory horse girl. And then you've got blowfly, who's a sort of coked up modern day streetwear yuppie yeah. and you've got housefly who's this obnoxious estate agent and there's loads of them and yeah. and ev everyone has their different like favorites uh, which, yeah. which i really love mine's the firefly i just want to say firefly, was the it? firefly. it's it's i think it's the most iconic in the show i think it, especially being in the theater you'll go oh okay yeah that really makes sense it's really good uh, firefly is my favorite <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Fireflies are really fun to do as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people have their different favorites because maybe they love to they love to hate them. Yeah. Or it's yeah, they like sort of the sort of uh, the performance of it. Or sometimes even they can recognize themselves or someone that they know perhaps in these characters. And I think that's the real aim of of using this form. Is, is, is to be reflective uh, of ourselves, of our privilege, our positionality, but not get overwhelmed with hating ourselves with, with the things that we can't control, but, but rather focusing on, on the love and compassion we can share with ourselves and, and with others. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, like I was saying in that previous question, there is an image that comes through near the end of the show, which mm -hmm. is incredibly powerful. And I think it's one of the only times watching a piece of theatre where you can really see the emotion come from the audience themselves and how powerful that image is in the way that you depict it on stage as well. Again, we don't want to give anything away for people who are coming to watch the show at the Camden People's Theatre. My experience with that, I remember watching it and my friend Sam next to me, he also worked with the Pleasants and we spoke about it afterwards. And this tonal shift that I keep talking about, this emotional tonal shift, it's really impactful. And, you know, I found that I had a tear in my eye and I was like, it was so emotional. And Sam was sniffling away next to me and sniffling away on the way out. And I guess with Fringe, it's so weird because especially with Edinburgh, you have to like do the turnover so quickly that you're mm -hmm. pushing your audience out. And it's, it's kind of hard because we're trying to stay in this moment as a collective, as an audience yeah. collective. Yeah. And it's a wonderful moment where you get to have this a part of the show itself. I'm, I feel like I'm getting emotional. I'm just talking about it. Uh, for you, did you manage to talk to any of the audience afterwards and get their raw emotion following the show? And was there any audience reactions in particular that really stuck with you after performing it? 
Yeah, yeah. I think, like you said, it's it's so difficult to navigate those conversations when there's that quick turnaround. Yeah. But I did manage to uh, to catch a few conversations towards the end of the show, and I, I was really blown away by by the response uh, responses yeah. of Swarm in, in Edinburgh, and then the impact it had on on audience members, and 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 you know, lots of people thanking me uh, yeah. for 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 platforming these issues, or whether that's something they they dealt with personally. But I think what's what's been really great to hear and 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 have people sort of get in touch with me has been how people have been reflective of the work long after they've seen the show as well which is just like amazing uh to me and I was really conscious when I redeveloped the show for 2022 that I didn't want people to come away from the show and, and feel powerless I think there's really enough of that felt at the moment and what I felt really helped me in the Edinburgh run with people carrying that or taking on that uh, on the show and the messages of the show and that, that emotional impact of the show. Uh, what I felt helped with that was um, collecting donations for these two amazing charities at the end of the show. So one was uh, LGSM Migrants uh, and the other was Rescue UK. Obviously I wanted to to raise money and awareness for, the, for these charities and offer support that I could uh, as well. But I think what it also did meant that audience members had the opportunity to feel like they had some power to do something and of course we know that you know not all power is monetary but but rather that it was an act of compassion that the audience felt that they could participate in and and maybe then later on reflect on their own powers and, and positionality elsewhere we ended up raising over 700 pounds for these these charities over the Edinburgh run yeah. and I think that is testament to to people connecting with the piece but also with people understanding and feeling uh, a sense of empowerment rather than guilt or shame with their positionality and, and it, of course it was lovely to do those physical collections at the end of the show as well yeah. and be able to to have that brief opportunity when yes. people are being sort of ushered out of the theatre um, to get those initial whether that's those teary-eyed sort of faces um, yeah. or like puffy red eyes that want to have a little chat or, or people you know again who, who maybe just uh, wanted to pick up on the more comedic elements of the show and being yeah. able to have that conversation with, with people however brief it was was very lush and hopefully I'll be able to do the same hopefully raise some more money for these charities at, at CPT as well. I was going to say as well so you're doing the bucket collections at Camden yeah. People's Theatre yeah yeah that's yeah. absolutely fantastic so amazing to hear well Liv as you spoke about earlier on in this interview not only are you working on Swarm but you've got other projects on the go as well and one of those is you are the director of Frankie Thompson's Cats which is playing at the Soho Theatre from the 21st until the 26th of November what can you tell us about how you got involved yeah so Frankie and I started working together on her previous show uh, the sex party at CPT at Camden People's Theatre last year and I think something just really gorgeous happened when we started to collaborate. Um, I'd always been such an admirer of, of Frankie's work and her style. And I think our love of genre-defying theatre comedy meant that we worked really well together and, and we had similar visions and ethos around our work and, and why we wanted to, to make work. And we had a lot of fun on Sex Party, so so Frankie asked me if, if I wanted to work on, on her next show. 
that was being uh, produced by Soho Theatre for uh, a run in Edinburgh. I, of course, said yes. And we, we, you know, what, what are we making a show about? And she said, <laughs> cats. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> I think that might have been done before, but okay. Uh, <laughs> the show isn't really uh, about cats at all, but 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 rather contains a lot of cat references, including yes, Cats the Musical. Great. Uh, <laughs> but um, but really, it, the show is about coping and and coping mechanisms. The show is is us watching Frankie's clown trying to work out how to cope, but in a true clown manner is taking this incredibly literally and trying to work out how to cope through a Jane Fonda workout video that has been taped over with various um, ridiculous things that include cat references. So we've got The Apprentice, we've got Antiques Roadshow, a ridiculous Elaine Page interview, the crazy cat lady from The Simpsons, there's loads more, all of which sort of Frankie receives in, in her world through her forms of clowning and lip sync right. as well so yeah so it's it's wild and it's it's it, you know it's, it's got that similarity within swarm of that episodic kind of nature and we're here and now we're here and we're doing this and this is responding to this and this talks to this but it's, it feels like there's something completely different happening here but it's incredibly silly but it's also powerful and 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 just really fun and it's not just for fans of cats so no. don't worry you know if you're I'm, a dog person you can still come yeah. along Exactly. Yeah. I personally am more of a dog person. Uh, Great. <laughs> really got the scoop here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's enjoyable and relatable for lots of different people. Oh, well, that's so exciting. I really hope that I get to see uh, that production as well. I'm probably going to come see Swarm again because oh. I just want to I just want to be in that moment and, oh, you know, have you. that fun comedic reality in that first half and then be able to donate at the end of the show. Liv, what I want to go on to now is advice for younger people, younger theatre makers. So obviously today we've spoken about you being a writer, a performer and a director. So you're kind of all three, you're mixed together. So as a theatre maker, what advice would you have for younger theatre makers yourself? Okay. So oh, the big question. I, it's it's oh. a tough one. It's a toughie. <laughs> Give us the knowledge. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I think a big thing for me, which I've kind of spoken about already in this interview, was doing it myself. And the reason that I got into writing and theatre making was because I didn't have those other opportunities. Or I didn't see the work that I wanted to be a part of. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm just going to have to make it myself and make the style of theatre that I want to see as well. That's including my other influences as a, as a person, but as a performer. But I think sort of in doing that, understanding what your voice is, is key. Knowing that you have a voice is just huge. It's just like, you know, revelationary for a lot of people, especially in a world where maybe particular voices haven't been platformed or, or even, and as, as theatre makers as well resisting that urge to bend to trends or what you think people want to hear or what's what's fashionable what's trendy what's going on and what people want to hear and experience whether that's what you think audience members want or whether that's theatre programmers but sort of not giving time to that space and truly backing yourself Mm. and maintaining the integrity of your work, your identity and your voice. Even if you are a solo performer or theatre maker, that collaboration is is also incredibly vital and being open to collaborations, different perspectives, 
uh, different skill sets. It's only going to make your vision and your work more rich and complex and gorgeous. So I, I wouldn't be able to make the work that I want to make without the support collaboration from others. So yeah. my technical designer, uh, Lily Woodford Lewis, who was a long-standing collaborator of mine, who just gets it in the same way that Frankie and I get it. Whatever that shared language is, I think collaboration is a trusting of that shared language and the integrity of the work. I think that's uh, incredibly important as well. Yeah. yeah, obviously, yeah, we should just talk about collaboration because obviously having only seen Swarm, it's huge. Like there's so many technical elements that you've got to face and all these statistics that come through on mm. the screen itself. So yeah, just talk a little bit about the collaboration of the video design for Swarm. Mm, yeah, great. So yeah, so I work closely with Lily Woodford Lewis, who's a phenomenal uh, technician and, and designer. The lighting design is also incredibly uh, vital to the sort of, in my work, but also particularly in Swarm and creating these different worlds with the videos, found footage and the statistics. So the statistics was, because that's a part of the writing, that was that was my job to, to you know do the do the research um finding the statistics and thinking about how those were to be presented how that was going to feature in the in the narrative I suppose as well yeah. and the videos were a collaboration between myself Lily another a photographer videographer friend of mine uh, Thomas Moen and that involved us just sitting having sort of meetups in rehearsal rooms and researching finding the material knowing the things that we wanted to use and finding the footage yeah. and then thinking about how we would weave or dissect or distort or take the mick out of these particular videos in in the editing of them really but in terms of where that element comes into it yes I think people feel that there's a narrative that is placed on these videos with, with within the world, yeah. but really it's 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 almost the, the opposite. That okay. these videos and this footage has inspired the show itself is responding to these images, these people, these politicians, yeah. these statistics. And that's looked really different at different sharings of this show. The statistics were sort of a later edition, okay. whereas before we were using images, actually. So lots of different images that were representing these statistics, but in, in less of a sort of accurate and visual way. And I think that I wanted to move towards statistics because of the dehumanizing nature of numbers and, and words and, and how that's re reflective of, of the themes of the show, really. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Liv, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Swarm. Like I say, I saw it in Edinburgh. It's coming to the Camden People's Theatre from the 10th until the 12th of November. And then you're jumping on to direct Frankie Thompson's Cats, which is playing from the 21st until the 26th of November at the Soho Theatre. Liv, before I let you go and have the rest of your day, I've got one final question for you. And it is the title of this podcast. And that is The Stagey Place. And what I love to know from all of my guests is whereabouts their stagey place is. So this could be the theatre that you first visited as a child. It could be the place that is really giving you inspiration in your writing, directing, performing. It can even not be a theatre space, but just somewhere that you feel collaborative with your team. So Liv Ello, whereabouts is your stagey place? 
Okay. Well, this is, uh, I think I've maybe cheated this question a bit. So yeah. um, <laughs> it's really hard. And, and I was like, oh, should it be Camden People's Theatre? We've spoken a lot about Camden People's Theatre. And I think that there's such an importance on Camden People's Theatre for me as an artist. And of course, I've worked with them on a, on a number of shows. But I truly think that they are such an incredible theatre that does a lot of amazing and genuine work at supporting emerging artists, theatre makers, and especially those with an emphasis on the experimental they did so much in supporting and believing in me in the very preliminary stages of my career and they do the same for so many wonderful artists I mean if you just look at the autumn season that they have on at the moment it's just incredible and so beautiful and diverse and and if you are an emerging theatre maker listening to this yeah. please 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 go check out all the amazing opportunities that CPT has to offer I think they've, they've got applications over open at the moment for starting blocks which is an incredible scheme that supports new ideas and emerging artists and they've also got applications for sprint festival which is an experimental theater festival they run and that was swarm's debut that really kick-started swarm uh, yeah. back in 2020 so i think cpt needs to have this mention because it's so so important to me and and to so many other artists but at the same time, <laughs> as someone who isn't from London, but has lived in London for six or seven years now, I understand the difficulty that it is to, to get involved in the London theatre scene right. when you're not from it. And also how dangerous or inaccurate it is to assume that all good stagey places and opportunities exist in London alone. Yep. So outside of my London stagey place, there would be the Cambridge Junction, my regional stagey place, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which the, the Cambridge Junction is an awesome multi-arts venue. I spent a lot of time there watching shows, uh, going to gigs and club nights in my youth. And they were also the first venue ever to support me as a theatre maker by letting me put on my first play there when I was 19 and yeah, they're yeah. just such wonderful gorgeous supportive people who also give a lot to artists and also to the community as well so yeah two stagey places for the price of one I think <laughs> absolutely and I do love that we've had a lot of stagey places over the last couple of episodes that have all been regional and have all like really supported the work from regional creatives and yeah, individuals so yeah incredibly important well Liv that brings us to the end of our interview here thank you so much for coming on to talk about Swarm to talk about Frankie Thompson's Cats to talk about your stagey place the way that you narratively create your productions and everything else Liv hello thank you so much for coming on to the stage place thank you so much thank you thank you and there we go, that was my interview with Liv Ello, the writer and performer of Swarm, which is heading to the Camden People's Theatre from the 10th until the 12th of November. Plus, as you heard there, Liv is also the director of Frankie Thompson's show Cats, which is at the Soho Theatre from the 21st until the 26th of November at the Soho Theatre. Liv, if you are listening to this, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. I absolutely loved talking about the show. And obviously, if there are any listeners who have been listening to this episode and have seen Swarm or are going to see it at the Camden People's Theatre, please make sure to tell us on social media who your favourite fly was. As mentioned in this interview, my favourite fly was the Firefly. And if you watch the show, you'll know exactly why. But I want to know what your thoughts are. So please make sure to get in touch if you do manage 
managed to see Swarm or Frankie Thompson's show Cats, which I'm really excited to hopefully go and see at the Soho Theatre later in November. And that now brings us to the end of episode 63 of The Stagey Place. Thank you so much for listening. My name's been Elliot, and until you hear from me next in an upcoming episode that you may wish to tune into, I hope you are keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye.